I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lassie, along with my buddy, Chief John Salka. And uh, John, we got some exciting news. Um, we've got some exciting news. Uh, our our book, Five Alarm Leadership uh, from the Firehouse to the Fireground, um, which is still oh, selling. Yeah. It's they, they've got it on the on Kindle, finally, on Amazon's uh, Kindle. Um, so for our listeners, those of you that have been asking us for a long time, when are they going to be moving to Kindle with, with the hard copy books? Five Alarm Leadership is now, if you go to Amazon.com, you type in Five Alarm Leadership, you can either choose the hard copy um, or you can choose the uh, uh, Kindle version. And uh, that, you know, Pride and Ownership and, and all the rest of the books will be coming on there soon, um, as well as they're going to be moving them very soon, John, to iTunes and Audible for the audio books. So Pride and Ownership's audio book. Man, we are high tech, aren't we, man? We are just high tech. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the audio book that that John and I just did on Five Alarm Leadership, folks. Um, uh, again, soon look for that. We'll we'll let you know on iTunes and on Audible, whichever one you use. When you go to Kindle right now for Five Alarm Leadership, Pride Ownership's coming, and you can download it. So exciting news! Hey, John, you asked me the other day. I posted a picture. Um, you and I had the honor of of traveling all over and 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 obviously teaching and, and visiting with folks. Um, and, and every now and then we get asked to do a keynote at a, at a graduation or an awards ceremony or a banquet. And I, I had the honor, John, of going out to Whitesboro, uh, Texas, which is uh, east of Gainesville, kind of north, uh, north Texas there. And um, great group. What a great night. Wonderful people, as always. The Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs Dynamite, the, his staff and everybody was great. But at the end, um, they presented me with a gift, which I'm, I'm, you know, you and I are always overwhelmed and honored to be where we're at. And it's the coolest thing, bud. It's, um, it's a leather SCBA face piece cover that kind of has like the diamond plate background. It's got 343 on one side. I never forget. It's got a chief's front piece. And it's got the five trumpets, chief lasking, the straps around the back. And it is, it is freaking cool. Um, it is, it is pretty, pretty awesome. And, uh, Absolutely. I remember, I remember when you showed me, it was really, really wild, wild. It was something I've never seen before, but actually was like you just said, beautiful. Oh, it, it was, it was like the coolest thing. I'm looking at it right now. And, um, um, it's, a it's a, it, there's a captain from Farmer's Branch, Texas. Um, captain Jim, uh, looks like, uh, Dennis, uh, if I'm saying that right. Um, uh, but uh, he's the one that, that does all the leather works, like leather cases and straps and radio straps and so on and so forth. And uh, 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 everything. And he made this. It's, it's, just, it's just cool. I had to mention it. So Whitesboro, thank you so much. What an honor. It was an honor to spend the evening with you. Um, so that being said, John, um, 
One of the one of the things um, I asked you about the other day, and uh, we were just talking, we thought it'd be a good topic. There's some great video and some great pictures uh, from I think a third alarm at the FDNY the other day. Um, uh, multiple floors, multi-family. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, multiple family dwelling, John. And they've got they've got four or five aerial ladders up, and have them sewn in. I mean, they've got them stuck in different positions. Um, you know. You and I have always talked in class about the importance of, of um, uh, ladder placement, apparatus placement, um, you know, line placement, you know, uh, supply line place. I mean, all everything that goes into what we do when we respond to it to a call. Um, maybe maybe we need to spend a little bit of time talking about apparatus placement. I don't know if you want to start with the truck first, truck companies, and then engines, or working them in units or whatever. But I think it's something. Absolutely. I mean, that, that can make or break you, right? That can make or break you at a fire. Yeah, and, you know, we, we've talked about it during some of our classes, and both of us involved in program development for, you know, different academies and schools and stuff like that. And, I, and I've read 100 times, and I've said 100 times, you know, proper apparatus placement is it's a foundation of a good operation. Obviously, everything everything doesn't hinge off that, but certainly a lot does. And when you, when you start looking at where to put a rig, you know, I've been a captain in 48 engine. That's the engine part of it. but you know, I was an officer in a truck as well. Where the rig stops, or where it ends up, rather. Sometimes it stops and the guys get off and then, and then the chauffeur moves it. Um, so, so one of the first things I want to bring up about apparatus positioning is is the importance of the chauffeur, the importance of, of, the, of the, the truck chauffeur, the guy that drives the rig. Everybody calls them different things and it doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking about. The guy behind the steering wheel, right? It's so important. And some people just, you know, they just poo-poo that. They're just like, oh, okay, you can drive today, Bill. You know how to drive, right? You know how to put it to PTO? Believe me, that's not, their, that's not all there is to know. There's so much to know when it comes to driving. I mean, frankly, that, that's, really, that's really almost a whole topic by itself, like the apparatus chauffeur, all the things I got to know. But I, I want to touch on it briefly because I think it's an important part of apparatus positioning is you got to have chauffeurs, you got to have drivers, you know, engineers on engines and, and, and truck chauffeurs on trucks that know how to, not only how to drive the rig physically, how to handle it, steer it, brake it, turn it, make turns and stuff, but where it'll fit in, where the turntable is, you got a tiller, you got a tiller with, with, with the turntable six feet behind the front seat, or you got a rear mount with the, with the tiller, not the tiller, but the turntable, you know, 30 or 40 feet behind, or a midship maybe with the turntable, you know, halfway down. It's real important where the turntable goes on what you want to do, whether you're going to put a ladder pipe up or make a rescue, or it's going to be for roof access for a firefighter. So, Gosh, the guy driving a rig, the guy or the gal driving a rig is so important. And it's not just being able to handle the rig and physically drive it and operate it, but how to set it up, where to set it up, where to put it. I remember, and I have it somewhere. I have a picture. You've probably seen it. It's 56 truck in the Bronx, parked up on the curb. It, it, it was a street where there's telephone poles right down the curb, big old wooden telephone poles with two or three or four cross pieces up at the top with all sorts of la layers of wires. You know, the, the top high voltage and all sorts of stuff. And then the buildings were only 10 feet off the curb. So this guy actually pulled up the truck up on the curb, all four wheels, both axles up on the curb, put the tormentors down. And when he raised the aerial ladder, he was actually right under the wires. All he had to do was rotate to right a little bit. And there he was putting his 100 foot aerial ladder up to a four story building. And there was no other way he was going to reach it other than getting that rig and its turntable under the wires. Nowhere on the street would have been able to do it. There were too many wires and too many different levels. And I, and I looked at that, man, oh man, what a, what a great 
what a great testament to the fact that the truck chauffeur knew what he was doing. The truck officer probably didn't even know he was doing it. Probably got off the rig and went in the building. And there's a guy that knew where his turntable had to be, knew he had a unique situation, and got it done. So I, I don't want to, you know, uh, take the whole the whole time up tonight talking about the chauffeurs, but it, but that's a real important part of proper apparatus positioning is having somebody behind the wheel that knows how to do it. The captain can't stay outside for 10 minutes directing you and backing you up and positioning the rig, you know? Well, and that comes down to, like you said, the training part of it. You know, for, first of all, knowing your rig, you said something before, you just can't jump, you know, you just can't, all right, hey, you're driving tonight, John. Um, you've driven a rig before. Jump in or you go. And it's just throwing the PTO and all stuff. It's, it's about being familiar. With, you've got to know that rig backwards and forwards, right? You've got to be comfortable. You've got to know that as well as you know your own car, if not better, you know, because there's obstacles we got to deal with, and that's cars in the street, that's other buildings, that's wires, trees, everything. You can, it just goes on and on the list of obstacles we have to deal with in all types of weather. It's the training part of it. And, and I used to pride myself, John, both with the area ladder. I had a 100-foot stick Seagrave, and then I had a snorkel. And that was pulling it out and setting oh, it. Oh, snorkels. I love them yeah. snorkels. <laughs> well, they were good, but they had their – you know, they had their limitations. Um, and I want to talk about Chicago squads in a second because they do a phenomenal job with placement there. But, John, I used to pull down the apron, and I had different points. I had different – like, let's just talk with the ladder truck. I could pull it out, but then I just practicing, you know, taking the ta – you know, setting the jacks, but taking the, the main out of the bed. And I had the top of this tree, this part of the roof, that part of the flagpole – back and forth, up and down, back, retract, extend, all that, little areas to kind of spot for my distance. Some guys just pull out, bud, and they stick the ladder up in the air and they spin around circles. And I'm like, that's one thing. But to be comfortable spotting it, to be comfortable with knowing, you know, what you can and what you can't do with it, you know, your reach, you set it, you know, first knowing your rig. If you go from a mid-mount, which I like mid-mounts, but, you know, I guess every rig has its plus and minuses, but you have to know, like you said, if it's, if it's a rear mount, you know, so many people nose in and you lose, you talk about positioning, they lose the length of the rig on their main ladder. Instead of instead of spinning around or positioning where their ass is close enough or off a corner, you know, we got it here to collapse zones and things like that. But they, they you, you see so many of these fires where they, they pull up and they've got the aerial extended out over the cab, which you just gave up all that ladder length. Um, you know, I know sometimes you have to do what you have to do, but 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 trying to get the most out of your ladder, I guess being a roofer as long as I was, I got pretty good at estimating how much I needed ladder size, because this isn't like the cartoons where you can you can nail a ladder on the end of the ladder like you know on a Bugs Bunny thing or something like that. Right. You've got to make sure you've got these things placed in the right position when you set your jacks, because there's very little moving around later on after that. Um, I, I, I mentioned I want to mention real quick before I forget about it, but. You've seen the pictures, John. We've got some good guys in Chicago, uh, another great fire department. Their, their squad companies, um, which are the 55-foot snorkels, I, I'm amazed and, and, and actually just proud of how they – there's times they, they stick those between buildings, around buildings, on lawns, sidewalks. They get those things moving. And, 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 it, and even the, the area ladders, it's, it's, you know, sometimes to make a rescue, to get where they got to get, get – you know, look, not advocating wrecking your rig, but they'll pull up, they'll have the cab of the rig up out on, onto the, the parkway, you know, setting their outriggers in the streets or they short jack, you know, sometimes that they have to and make sure they've got, you know, just 
just watching them spot their rigs is phenomenal on how they do it. And again, this isn't by mistake and it isn't a guess. It is a thing they train for, John, all the freaking time is the apparatus placement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And well, like, like I always tell a story about, about Willie Tracy, and it's, it's an engine story, but it's still a valid story about, you know, pu- pulling up, pulling up to a job one day. I'm, I'm, I'm in the right seat. You know, I'm the captain. He's the, he's the engineer. And we're pulling up, pulling up. But it's a job. Give it 1075. It's a, it's, it's a good frame going. And a short driveway between. And a, and a frame next door is going to be on fire in a minute. I mean, it, it's, it's roaring, right? And I'm like, okay, okay, Willie, good. Stop here. And he's not stopping. Willie, stop, stop. And he's still rolling forward. Not very fast, but he's still rolling forward. <laughs> Actually, the guys are climbing out in the back. The, 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 the crew doors are open already. The guys are climbing off the back of the rig. And he's, he's still, I'm like, Willie, Willie, stop the damn rig. And finally he stops. And I jump out with a huff, and we go put the fire out. When I come back later on, I, you know, I'm like, what was that all about? And he said, and he points, points up to the deck pipe. He said, I know I was going to use a deck pipe. I know you guys are going over the line, but I knew I was going to use a deck pipe to protect both exposures. You couldn't do everything. He said, and, and, and that box truck was right in front. That little delivery truck was right in front of the house. He said, there was no way I was going to use that deck pipe when you said stop. I knew I had to go 10 feet further to get past it, at least get the deck pipe past it. Didn't, it didn't impact my connection to the hydrant. It didn't impact you guys stretching your line. But I knew that if I stopped where you said stop, the, the deck pipe would have been out, out of service for this job. And I was like, how excellent. How excellent that he knew what to do and he knew to ignore me and, and get past <laughs> that truck. You know, I mean, he could have said something and, and yeah, lightened yeah, my yeah. burden. But, and, and that's the kind of stuff we want. We want people in the front seat that know what they're doing and, they're, and are thinking ahead. Here's a guy, he's an engineer. He's got a cigar in his mouth and a baseball hat on. And he's thinking about, can I use a deck pipe when I stop here? And, and that's what we want. That, that's, a, that's an important and, – and certainly truck shoppers do the same thing lots of times. Well, and you've talked about him before when it comes to checking hydrants and knowing which hydrants are out of service ahead of time. That goes the same way, Bud, right, when it comes to the, the less emphasis some people put on pre-plans, getting out and, and get not just getting to a building, but the neighborhoods surrounding, the streets, access, one-ways – to you know, two-way street, everything that goes into it, um, knowing ahead of time it's going to be a tight squeeze, knowing ahead of time that you're going to have to come in from the west on this particular call. Or, like you said, maybe the engine's getting in there first. You know, a lot of people, you know, when they listen to Chicago, you'll hear Chicago say, uh, you know, 18, engine 18's out on Roosevelt Road, uh, blah, blah, blah. We're facing eastbound. We're facing westbound. We're southbound. And and a lot of people don't know what that that's for. And a lot of that has to do with just, you know what? We're facing southbound. We're facing eastbound. This is where we're at. Telling everybody else which way they need to come in and make it work, because once you set that, once you take the lines off, the, the, first of all, let's talk about the engine placement again. Back to pre-plans. Back to getting out and driving your neighborhoods. Back to knowing your rig, the capabilities and the limitations, and what's on it, and how to handle it, and how to maneuver around. Forget even areas with snow or whatever that that kind of limits you. Uh, we talked already about all the obstacles, but again, pulling up, knowing your, you just talked about Willie Tracy, knowing that the deck gun wasn't going to work where you wanted him to stop. He knew that same, same goes for, okay, once I stop and we start dragging hose off this thing, we're kind of stuck. Once I have people in there on the line, fighting fire, making a hallway, making the stairs, whatever they're doing, I can't go, I can't call Captain Salka on, on, with his crews on the line and say, hey, Cap, I gotta, I gotta shut you down for a second. I gotta pull up 15 feet because I blocked the truck. So 
as long as you were doing the battalion chief thing, you know, a long time in the FDNY and, and, and the 18th Battalion, a busy battalion, John, talk about the importance of the engine and truck or the engines and trucks. Let's just talk first engine, first truck, knowing and working together when it comes to placement, how key that is to making or breaking, you know, an incident. Those two, those two officers or those two rigs, those chauffeurs, they not only do they need how to talk to each other, but they need to know what's on each other's minds, don't you think? Right, right. And, and you know, <clears throat> and for the FDNY, of course, and, and, you know, where I spent most of my career, obviously I was in a bunch of different fire departments, you know, earlier than once I got on the FDNY. But the point with the FDNY, which is great, is it, there's, there's company policy and department policy, you know, as far as response goes. If an engine and truck are in quarters and they're going out to the same alarm, the engine goes out first. That's all there is to it. The engine goes out first. Now, obviously, that's not random. They didn't roll a dice to do that or flip a coin. They figured that out because the way we have our hose packed, which is no cross lays, no pre-connects, all our hose comes off the back step. All our hoses dead loaded, meaning we just got piles of hose in the back. That's it. Hose comes off the top, and if you pull it all off, the last one comes off, and, and the coupling hits the ground. It's not attached to anything. So having said that, you know that when you pull up to the front of the building, you're probably just going to pull off whatever you need off the back, and then the rig's going to drive away. It's going to go down a block to a hydrant, 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, 100 feet, whatever it is, right? 250 feet. So the truck has to be behind the engine because you have to let the engine stop first, unload their hose, and then give them, give them the room and in front of the engine apparatus to move forward and go to a hydrant. If the truck pulls in front of the engine and the engine pulls up to the fire building, sure, we can still stretch our hose, but now somebody's going to have to hand jack some hose back to a hydrant somewhere. Right. Or you might not be able to connect to a hydrant B or a hydrant connection. You might have to do via, you know, three-inch hose or something like that. So, so right off the bat, we have the engine going in front of the truck, which is great because that allows the engine to get there first, pull off the hose right in front of the building for a nice short stretch, and then the rig stretches the rest of the hose. If, he's, if he goes three lengths down the block, that's all part of the initial line, but it's being laid by the engine. And, and, and the firefighters are going in the front door with the, with the three lengths that they pulled off. Well, and how important, John, is it, again, for that communication, if you will, um, you know, when, when, when maybe, you're, maybe you're coming from two different firehouses or from two different directions, but I've, I've witnessed it. I've actually done it before where we've held the truck at the intersection for a few seconds, not for minutes, but, you know, they, they're getting there. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Let the engine slide in in front of you. Let them come down because, you know, sometimes I think in a hurry to get to the scene, we end up, you know, serving as that big drain plug. You know what I'm saying? So I think, again, oh, it can, you know. Absolutely. Some guys are in such a rush. Some officers and some chauffeurs and some people are so excited when there's a 1075 or a working fire or a single 10 or whatever it is that, that they're just like moths going to a bulb. Moths going to a light bulb. Everybody's screaming to the fire, running, going as fast as they can. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, we get two engines nose to nose in front of the building. We have no room for a truck, and neither one of them can connect, can connect to a hydrant. Now, I remember a great story, again, in a great place that I worked in, 48 engine and 56 truck, Mike Wilbur, well-known by lots of people around the country. Mike. Mike's an apparatus Mike. guy, apparatus specs and delivery and, 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 you know, writes every month and everything else about it. Mike was a chauffeur in 56 truck before he made lieutenant, went over to 27. And I'll tell you what, I remember going to a job one time. I was a captain of 48. Mike was working in 56. And the job was with 75 and 33. They were the first two companies. They gave a 1075. And as we rolled up the street, we got to the intersection. We were getting ready to turn off Fordham Road, which is a major thoroughfare, onto a smaller street, which was a one-way, and it was coming out. We were going to make a left and turn into a one-way street and go against traffic. Well, I came up, and I pulled up to the corner, and we grabbed the hydrant right on the corner, and off the rig we got because we were going to walk down the block. And if we needed more hose or, you know, whatever, our rig was good where it was. 
Mike Wilber's getting ready to make the turn, and I hear Mike Wilber, not the officer. I hear Mike on the radio. Ladder 5-6 chauffeur, the engine 7-5 chauffeur. What's he going to ask him? Are you on a hydrant? He wanted to make sure he was on a hydrant. Because if 75 was not on a hydrant, Mike, Mike waited to hear that he was, a, was or wasn't on a hydrant. If he was not, Mike was going to wait at the corner and let 75 proceed down the block and tuck into a hydrant or come out of the block to find a hydrant. Some chauffeurs wouldn't do that. They'd wheel into the block and say, holy shit, I didn't know you weren't on a hydrant, but Mike thought ahead of it. Mike, so there's Mike as a truck chauffeur worrying about if the engine's on a hydrant yet. And talk about everybody looking at the big picture, talking about proper training and proper interaction between trucks and engines. I thought that was a fantastic story, and I, and I witnessed it myself. Well, and that's, that's, a, that's a truck guy understanding engine work and the engine guys understanding truck work. Whether you, whether you like being an engine, you don't like being a truck, or the other way around or whatever, it has nothing to do with it. it, it we're, we're a team. And, and you said it perfectly. Mike, you know, Mike's thinking, you know, before I go in there, I don't want to block them. If they're, if they're not on a hydrant, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be the one that screws this thing up and delays get water and all that, you know, so on and so forth. So again, <clears throat> number one, like we talked about, it's knowing your area, pre-planning, knowing where your rigs fit, which direction, where your one-way streets are, your, everything else that you got to do, whether it's wide open or not, and knowing where to park your rig. I think some of it's the basics, John, is known as a driver, you know, I, I've, I've told people before, you really shouldn't have rigs set up where your hose beds dictate where you park the rig. You know, I know cross lays a lot of them, you know, pre-connects at 200 feet, the H3 corner, so on and so forth. But you, you really, I think it's just a bad habit. Disagree with me if you, if you want to, John, but I just, you know, the one thing we should have enough of on the rig is hose if we need more. Um, we shouldn't be allowing our hose beds to dictate necessarily where we have to park the rig. You Absolutely. Know. Hose loads and hose stretching and the number of lengths of hose and, and whether you have a cross lay or off the rear of the bed, that should not dictate your tactics. Now, having said that, obviously sometimes people build rigs around their tactics. In right. other words, the right. tactics that we can follow say, this will be great. Let's get, let's get everything off the side so we can pull up and we got to, you get these narrow streets and we, we don't have to worry about so, so sometimes they do interact with each other, but they should, they're absolutely, there absolutely has to be some, flexibility built into into the system whether it's trucks whether it's engines i mean we've talked about it a thousand times portable ladders off a truck how many trucks do the portable ladders slide out of compartments straight out of the back of the rig there's right. no other way to get a ladder off you got to slide it straight back now you can't park an engine or a truck or a chief's car anywhere within 20 feet of a rig because you can't get the ladders off somebody else said hey let, let's load them off the side Let, let's put them off the side so we don't have to worry about that you know so obviously that simple fact where the ladders are stored and how they get pulled off of a rig is going to dictate how close the next rig can get or if anybody can even get behind that rig, you know? So, no, so no, number one, you know, our engine guys need to know their apparatus, just like the truck guys do. They need to know their area. They need to know the ins and out. They need to know placement. They need to know the hose lengths. Um, and, and I think they need to be thinking about truck placement the way truck guys are thinking about engine placement and water and so on. So like you said with Mike Wilbur, and knowing that, because that brings up another point, John, is, you know, a lot of people are using quints out there, you know, and they're using quints and, and they're using as what? their initial. Using what? <laughs> using quints <laughs> as their initial, you know, for their initial attack. And, and I said this in Louisville when we, when we had them for the short time that we had them when I was there. So we, we moved on and went with just ladder trucks. If you're driving a, you want to talk about knowing your, knowing your stuff. 
you know, it's one thing to know your engine and no placement and hose loads and lays and all that stuff. It's another thing to be driving a hundred foot stick or better and, or mid mount or whatever it is, you know, just, you know, and knowing where you're going. It's another thing when you've got a, a Quint 75 or hundred footer and you're using that also again, as your engine, your first two engine, I used to say this before, you better make sure the driver, the chauffeur, the engineer knows when you set your parking brake, you know, you better be ready to set your jacks because once you put it in pump, and again, Captain Salk is on the second floor, and some lady or guy comes out with a kid, the third floor balcony, this apartment building, and you go, now somebody you go to swing the ladder up, and you can't because there's trees in the way or parking, you know, overhangs and whatever, oh, yep, yep. right? You can't call Captain Salka again and go, hey, got to shut your line down. I got someone on a window uh, hanging off a balcony. I got to pull up a little bit. So I think the Quint operators, if, if to our listeners, if you are driving a Quint, don't ever sell yourself short, no pun intended, when it comes to your responsibility and the importance of being a driver operator of a quint, because you've got to think on both fronts. You've got to think on the engine front, and you've got to think on the ladder truck front. And, and you know what? And, and, and although you've got to think about both of them, because you're potentially doing both or, or actually doing both, the, the, the truck positioning takes priority because you can stretch hose and you can't stretch ladders. And I'm right. a big engine guy. I'm a big engine guy. I mean, I know plenty of fire departments without trucks. I bet the fire is where we put the whole thing out before the truck got there. Have it, you know, the point is when you pull up with a Quint and you, you got a building that's on fire, you have a fire, you got to position that apparatus for the best ladder coverage. I wouldn't even think about the hose. Why? Because you can stretch the hose around the park car. You can stretch the hose towards the front instead of towards the rear. Maybe you're going to yeah. use an extra length of hose going a long way around. So hose is very flexible and very forgiving, and ladders are not. So, again, you gotta, you got to stress not worrying about that cross leg going straight into, into the front door maybe is a quick, rapid stretch. But say, you know what, Cap, sorry, you're going to have to stretch a little bit longer. i got to pull down past this front door and, uh, and get around this tree or around this pole. You know, So then, those are it, things that engineers or drivers have to know. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole point is if you're driving a Quint, you got to be thinking – you know, don't, don't blow off one over the other or get caught. Go, don't get snookered where you're like, you know, again, we, we've talked about uh, Stockton, California, the great job they do. They just posted a video. I've, I've told people before, watch their videos uh, at a hospital, John, a nothing showing call stretched up uh, a couple floors, fourth floor, whatever they get up there and they got a room going. They got, you know, now, you know, they, black, I mean, they open the door black, big time smoke comes out of the unit to the hallway of a hospital. Now, you know, again, you know, nothing show and call. Don't get snookered, Chicago term. You know, if you pull up and you're driving a Quint, don't be lulled into a, a bad habit of, well, oh, okay, now I got to, now I got to, I got to put it in pump. Oh, and now I got to set my jacks. You know, and I've said this before, John, I know you believe in it too. Every call we go to, you should be thinking the building's on fire until proven otherwise. Be in your game mode. Have your game face on. The moment you leave the firehouse, the moment they set the tones off, they drop the tones, they, they rang the bells, you're thinking, okay, I know that street. I know accessibility. We've been there before. We had a job there. Or I've driven by that on the way to work. I know what I got to do. And on the way there, you're thinking, okay, we got a job. We got a job. We got a Until you get there, right? And somebody says, yep. nothing. We got nothing. Anytime you're on the run, you go into a fire, right? And, 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 and I've talked about that over the years, I've written articles on, I hate, hate, hate the term nothing showing. Right. I absolutely hate it. I don't think it should be allowed to be used. Now, obviously, when you get there and you don't see anything, there's nothing wrong with making that clear. Now, people say, well, what's the difference with what terminology you use? Nothing showing, nothing visible. 
I, I don't like downgrading. And I, th I think you're verbally and mentally downgrading an incident when you say on the radio, call oh. one on scene, nothing showing. Everybody who's listening, whether it's conscious or not, is starting to go, oh, okay, to nothing. Say, I'm going to sigh of relief, right? So by not saying that, what are you doing? By not saying nothing showing, by not saying nothing visible, you are still, everybody is still listening to the radio. They're still poised. They're still getting dressed for the second rig back at the house. They're still getting dressed. Anybody hear anything? Nope, they're not there yet. Everybody's still excited and thinking we might have something. When you say, uh, Orange 911, Sapplum Grove, call one, on scene. Now, I rarely say that without saying something else. And what I say is, on scene, make an investigation. Or on scene, investigating. Now, that says, you can deduct from that statement that I don't see anything. But, but I'm not saying, ah, nothing's showing. You know what I'm saying? And a minute later, I can say, oh, we got a smoke addition, and, and, and the thing could still be, could still turn out to be a fire or a job. Can and I it's a great story. I know I've told this story before, and it's, it's my story because it happened to me, and, and it just happened recently. And it was, I, in, it was in Stoplum and Grove. Right. Can I tell this story? I, I, went, I went to a box the other day. We, we bought a smoke in the house. We don't get many reported smokes in the house. Most of the time, that's a fire. And, and my car, too, gets there ahead of me, and I pull up behind him, and when he pulls up, before I get there, I hear caught to on scene, nothing showing. He says nothing showing, and we've had our discussion about that. He says nothing showing. So now I'm thinking, of course, what am I thinking? Exactly what I said a moment ago. That's probably nothing now, right? So I go rolling up. He's standing out in the front lawn, walking towards the building. His car's on the front, you know, with the lights on. There's a police car there, too. And one of the patrolmen comes walking up. Turns out this patrolman is an FDNY firefighter when he's on his full-time job. But he works part-time in a local police department. He comes walking up to me. How you doing, Chief? I said, good. He said, it's at 1032. I shut it off already. <laughs> 1032, that's the NY signal for an oil burner. So he says it's at 1032. Hey, Chief, it's an oil burner. I was running inside. I shut it down for you. Thanks. Now, he's an FDNY guy. So, it, it, you know, if it was a regular cop, I'd be like, what? But it was a guy I knew. And I go walking inside. I must tell you, by the time, when I walked inside, my first smell, the first thing I smelled was not an oil burner. And it was something either smoking or burning. So the first two people that got to the scene of that alarm was an assistant chief and a police officer who's a paid firefighter and his real job, and both of them had it wrong. Turns out it was a, was a, a belt inside the wash machine in the basement that was hung up, and it was burning because the thing was spinning and the belt wasn't turning and it was rubber and it was smoking. Could have turned out to be a fire. But the point was both an assistant chief gave a, gave a nothing showing and a, and, a, and a police officer gave me, uh, it's an oil burner, and I turned it off. And they were both wrong. So forget PD on the scene advising the fires out, uh, the occupant call back and said it's just a candle or it's just an oven or it's just the food on the stove. You know, we never take anything. And, that, and that's obviously a long story, not really necessarily about apparatus positioning, but, but so true. That's why relating it to apparatus positioning, anytime you're pulling up, anytime you're pulling down a block, you're getting closer, 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 you should park that rig like you're going to work, whether it's a truck, whether it's an engine at a – Willie Tracy, the rig never, ever, 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 ever stopped. The wheels never stopped turning until 48 engine was where? At a hydrant. At a hydrant. Never stopped anywhere. He never stopped the red lights or nothing. Just the hydrants. That was it, you know? Well, and I agree with you. And, you know, I've never had a problem, <clears throat> you know, in Louisville. I mean, I, I could tell you a bunch of different stories of guys pulling up and, you know, and you'll hear it. You'll hear a young firefighter say, well, you know, medic, medic one's out. Uh, we've got a one-story banking institution. Nothing showing all four sides will be investigating. Or nothing showing from the front. And it tells the guys that you'll know, be looking in the back. And I'll forget that one, John. Um, uh, 
one of the, a real quick story, one of the BCs is on the east side of town. He says, is there a chief closer? It was a chief closer. And um, uh, I said, yeah, I'll take it. And I, it's sunny day. It's a, I look out my window for, the, for my office. I can see the, the, the strip mall where this, where, this, where this bank is. And um, uh, it was, uh, anyway, so Bank of America. So anyway, I, there's nothing. So I pull in, you know, I pull in the, to the tower ladder with Mark Lee. He's the captain of truck. He's a chief in Garland, Texas. Mark is dynamite. Good, good guy. Good boss, good chief, great captain on a truck. So say he pulls up, same, you know, same thing. We'll be investigating. Gets inside and he starts calling for a two and a half, like, like now. And I'm like, a two and a half. I'm like, all right. So we got it. We're engine stretching. I, I peek through the door and he's pointing. They're masking up because they had their gear on. They were ready to go. We've talked about this before on this show. And there's fire rolling over his head out of his room. And I'm like, holy crap. I mean, this thing went from, went from, from, from nothing showing to zero visibility and a lot of fire in a heartbeat. So again, back to the nothing showing lulling you to sleep. It would have been one of those where you pull up during the day and there's nothing there. Now, John, back to this whole apparatus placement thing, like we said, with quints, engines, and trucks, not getting lulled into that complacency of nothing showing, you know, until somebody says there's nothing on fire, we should be thinking where we need to go and how we need to go because we're screwing ourselves out of, out of some scrub some scrub surface, some reachability with our area ladders, right? Depend. I mean, again, back to knowing. I remember Sal Marchese taught our guys, uh, John, Sal Marchese off 142 truck in Queens, one of your good friends mm -hmm. of mine. Yep. Great, great truckie, great FDNY firefighter. He, when he came out with Donnie Hayde, God bless, love Donnie, um, and they did a truck class, um, Sal taught the guys, and none of them ever thought about it, with that mid-mount, when you pull up, you know, if the address is on your left, Taking the steering wheel when you come right as you're coming to a stop and throwing it to the right about five to 15 degrees. Just throwing it, just taking the cab of the rig and just giving a slight turn away from the fire building or the, you know, the address, five to 50. He goes, What that's going to do for you, scrub surface wise, it's going to give you more reach instead of the cab blocking you. Get the cab out of the way. Right. Yeah. And I thought, and I'll be honest with you, because, you know, I've been on rear mounts and, you know, snorkels. I never thought about that because I know the key with a snorkel, John, is you better get the ass end where you want to go because, you know, when you're 45 degrees, you have a lot of reach. The lower and the higher you go with a snorkel, the, the, you know, the less reach you have. Right. So, again, right. apparatus positioning is huge. And that was a little hint. For those of you out there that are driving mid-mounts, you know, that whole thing, when you pull up, as you get ready, you're, you're coming to a stop, take the steering wheel and throw it 5 to 15 degrees away from the building that you're responding to. And that'll help you with your reach if you have to, you know, like John said, clearing the cab out of the way so you're not stuck with just right. half of your scrub surface in that. Absolutely. So, any yeah. other any other thoughts before we close this one out when it comes hey, to that position? I, I got one more thing for you, and I'm, and I'm sure you saw this. Scott Thompson uh, put, put a squad in service. Did you see it? Yes. And I, I saw it today on Facebook, and I had a comment. Paramedic Squad Company 18 at the Colony down there in Texas, and, and he had some real nice words about – putting it in service and why they did it instead of getting a new ladder truck and all this. And, and I'm looking at the 18, I'm saying, I wonder, and sure enough, it was. Sure enough, he said it was, you know, in memory of Andy Fredericks, who, you know, died on 9-11 with the rest of the crew, along with Billy McGinn and all the boys in Squad 18 on 9-11. And uh, I just thought that was so, so very cool and, and, and respectful that he did that. And I, and I must tell you, I, I went to uh, uh, Andy's wife on Facebook, and I took a picture, and I forwarded it to her, and I said, hey, 
get take a look at this squad down in Texas that was, uh, you know, uh, the unit number and the squad company. The designation was uh, in honor of Andy. Your, I wrote your oh, Andy nice. like that to her. She was very happy. She wrote back. She said, thank you, you know. So oh, it was nice. very cool. Well, Scott, you know, Scott taught for you and I at FDIC for years in our Saving Her Own and Live program. I got pictures in front of the building, yeah. And he very well, a new Andy, and and, and been with us a long time. And, you he's know, great. He's writing. He's got a book now and everything. Oh, Scott's one of those guys that gets it. He was the training chief at Louisville for a long time, and he gets it. He, he gets it. And uh, he's another one of those guys where if you don't like how he runs things, then you're not – I'll just say it, you're a shitty firefighter. If you don't want to work for him, you don't want to, you know, you, you don't want to be into the job, then you suck. And, um, you know, you may not agree with everything a boss is going to say, no matter who you are, but, but he gets it. Real quick, John, that fire I was talking about, that third alarm, um, and for our listeners, was at 48 East 7th Street, Manhattan. Um, the apparatus placement, you know, on, on, on both sides, it's a corner building, um, multiple floors, with one bucket up to one side, an aerial to the other, another bucket to the windows, another aerial on the third. If you want to see how they – I don't, it's like someone took a bunch of little matchbox trucks and stuck them all together. What a great job with ladder and engine placement. Hats off to the FDNY again for doing a great job. But uh, yeah, yeah. so John, any other thoughts on that brass place before we close this one out? Yeah. So there's so much more. We're going to have to hit it again, you know, but uh, I, I thought it was a good little, little preview maybe, you know? Well, you, you talked about, you know, we talked about pre-planning, training, knowing your rigs, knowing no your neighborhood. Place communication between the, the two chauffeurs, the two drivers on the engine and the ladder. You know, again, position is everything, folks. You know, it's one thing to not be able to get the line charged and get water to the fire quickly. It's another thing to not even have your rigs in, in the right place. I'll have somebody hanging out a window and, and unable to get the ladder to them. That's tough. Exactly. Get out. Hey, get out with your engine and truck. Know your area. So, hey, with that, buddy, um, that wraps up another one. We always try to keep these uh, – fairly short for folks that are out there. We've getting a lot of great feedback from you guys saying it's perfect when you're working out or driving to and from work or sitting around the fire. Hope you're enjoying them. Hope they're enjoying That's them. It. That's it. Hey, give us, give us a holler. I'm at chief Lasky at gmail.com. John, you're at chief John Salka at gmail.com. Hey, we always ask you to please keep the men and women armed forces and your thoughts and prayers. And really, really right now, uh, please say a prayer for our, 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 our brothers and sisters in blue on the law enforcement side. It's, it's horrible what's going on, and our hearts go out to them and their families. Uh, so keep them in your thoughts. With that, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening, and uh, be safe, and God bless you.